How many of you would like to be healthier? How many of you need to be healthier? Yeah, yeah. COVID-19 is a way of describing the weight I've put on now since COVID set in, I think. And uh, I hope, hope that you're focusing on that. I came across an interesting article by the Mayo Clinic that was talking about one thing that every single person can do to improve their health. And they, it was true across all age groups. One thing that will do a lot of different things. In fact, they said if you'll do this one thing, um, you'll have less anxiety, stress, and hostility. How many of you would like to have that? Yeah? Yeah. It'll lower your blood pressure. You'll have fewer symptoms of depression. It'll give you a stronger immune, uh, immunity system. You'll have improved heart health. And in fact, it also improves your self-esteem and you will have healthier relationships. What is that one thing that Mayo Clinic said you can do to have all of that? Forgive. Forgive. Mayo Clinic said in their studies, what they've shown is that whenever we harbor unforgiveness or resentment in our hearts, that it is more than just this thought we have about someone else, that it literally impacts our minds, our emotions, our bodies, and our relationships. And we could take that one step further and say, it also interferes with our relationship with God. Amen? Well, that's what I want to I talk about today. I, I want to talk about this whole concept of, of forgiveness um, we're in this series called Simon Says, and we've been looking at uh, some of the interactions with Peter, some of the things that Peter did, and some of his journey with Jesus, and the lessons he's learned. And some of those lessons are just really great lessons for us. Now, before I even get to the scripture, how, how many of you would just be honest enough to, to say, you probably have a little room in your life to be a little more for, forgiving and grace-giving than you've been? Anybody want to confess that? Yeah, ab, ab, absolutely. In fact, would you just say this out loud after me? Lord, help me forgive. Let's do it again. Lord, help me forgive. Let's look at a passage of scripture. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can, uh, you can track along with me here in just a moment as we, as we get into the message itself. I want to look at Matthew uh, chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. It says, then Peter um, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how, many, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How many times should I do that? How often should I do that? Seven times. Now, seven was uh, regarded as the perfect number, kind of the number of completion. And it's like, you know, if, am, I, am I complete in forgiving if I forgive them seven times? And then Jesus responded, read that verse, next verse with me. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, as Jesus continued speaking, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master, and he begged him, please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. And then the master was filled with pity for him. And he released him, and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. 
He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Listen to this. This is one of the harshest, strongest words that Jesus spoke in the New Testament. And that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. How good are you at grace? How good are you, not at being grace, but at giving grace? How good are you at not just receiving grace, but at giving grace? On your outline, I gave you a, a, little, a little survey to kind of question yourself to see how good you are with it. Track along with me as I read these for you. How good are you? I easily overlook slight hurts, insensitive comments, or rude actions. I easily overlook stuff that, stuff that uh, people hurt me and it's no big deal or in, insensitive comments. I, I'm able to let those roll off my back. Or, or when people are rude, are you able to just kind of roll with that? Is, that? is that no big deal? Are you good at doing that? Number two, when people are being ugly, I just assume they're having a bad day as opposed to believing that they are a bad person. You ever think about that? You know, isn't it interesting? Um, how many of you have ever had a bad day? You've been like that where you've been frazzled and, and anxious or maybe you've got something going on and it's left you on edge and somebody says something to it and you're a little sharp with them and all that. And You know, when, we, when we're that way, we want understanding. But isn't it interesting how we want understanding when we're like that, but when somebody else is like that, we want to make it a character flaw that they have rather than thinking that they're going through a bad day. That's kind of how we do it. Number three, when offended by someone I know, I go try to make it right with them rather than telling others about it. When offended by someone I know, I go try to make it right with them rather than telling others about it. Now, everybody look at me for a second. Can I tell you something? In the church, we're horrible at this. We're horrible at this. I I can't begin to tell you how often in the life of the church I've dealt with situations where someone has been offended by someone else and they've told 25 other people but they've never sat down with the person who hurt them and had an honest conversation with them about what happened. And can I just say, that's not to Jesus' way. Amen? Not to Jesus' way. Number four, my closest friends and family would rate my grace factor as being very high. My closest friends and family would rate my grace, grace factor being very high. I, I thought of this because when I, was, when I was working on this, I started thinking about, for some, some of us, sometimes it's easier for us to be gracious with people we don't know than it is with the people we say we love the most. Um, that was one of the things that uh, God has dealt with me about through the years, and, and uh, I've confessed this before, but... Uh, a, a very difficult moment with God when he said, Steve, you treat the worst the people you say you love the most, and that's not the way it ought to be. Number five, 
I've forgiven things that many people would find impossible to forgive. I have forgiven things that people, many people would find impossible to give. Jesus' challenge to Peter and his challenge to us is, is not that we would just understand grace or even be good with grace. Jesus' challenge to us is that we would be great with grace because he was great with grace. Amen? Now, I want to I step back, and, and I want to I unpack this a little bit further for you. And, um, and again, I hope that this message will be some stuff that you will just allow God to help you uh, maybe chew on uh, all week long. Let's talk about how we can become great with grace. You ready? Here we go. First of all, recognize in the story, one of the things that, that it points out is the fact that Christ calls us to a level of grace that is absolutely absurd. Christ calls us unashamedly to a level of grace that is absurd. Now, again, think about this. When, when, when Peter, you know, when Peter went to Jesus and he says, now, how many, how many times do I got to do this? How many times do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? And, and Peter thought he knew the answer. Seven times? You know, he, he thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch this. And he thought he was being really good with this. And can you imagine, it just blew him away when Jesus responds by going, no, 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 not seven times. But how many times, church? Seventy times Seven, some math teacher. What's that equal out to? 490. 490 times. Now, when Jesus is talking about, you know, for, forgiving, it's not just forgiving once or twice. It's forgiving over and over and over again. And look at me. Isn't that the way God forgives us? I mean, aren't you glad you've never had to go to God and say, God, I am so sorry. I really messed up. And God went, well, you know what? You've uh, used up your quota. I'm sorry. You know, you hit seven, and that's it. That's all you, no, no, no. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know what? There's no quota listed anywhere. And not only are we talking about the number of times that God is willing to forgive us, but that also represents the magnitude of what God is willing to forgive. You know, one of the things when you read the scriptures you, you realize that, you know, God, God is willing to forgive us of, of whatever we've done. And this is great news. And I just want you to look at me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how dastardly or heinous you think the sin you have committed is. Here's what I can tell you, without a doubt, whatever you've done, God's grace is bigger. God's grace is bigger. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And God, who is this gracious God, who is willing to forgive, he challenges us. You know, I, look, I love the, the passage of scripture there. You know, Jesus just provides such a great model of this for us. Uh, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, read it with me. It's, Jesus says what? Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then he talks about how the soldiers are gambling for his clothes. Now, where was Jesus when he spoke these words? He was on the cross. He was on the cross. Can you imagine saying to the very people who had just mocked you, 
drug you through the street, humiliated you, spit upon you, beat you, jammed a crown of thorns on your head, stuck you on a cross like a common criminal, drove nails through your wrists and through your feet. Can you even begin to imagine saying to that group of people, Father, forgive them? Jesus calls us to an absurd level of grace because he himself has modeled an absurd level of grace to us. Does that make sense to you? You know, it's one thing to forgive the guy who cut us off in traffic. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to forgive someone who maybe was really, really rude to us and just lost it on. It's one thing maybe to, you know, forgive someone who, who, who slaps us around or something, but can you imagine forgiving someone of something like Jesus? You know, Wanda and I were watching a, uh, I think it was a Dateline uh, show uh, the other night, and uh, they were talking about a, a a case of a guy who uh, was attacking women, and um, I was absolutely struck by this 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 lady. Throw her picture up on the screen for me. This is Lydia Tillman. Uh, a few years back, um, Lydia, uh, who was I think 32, 33 at the time, was uh, attacked by this man. Throw his picture up here. That's Travis Forbes. Uh, he, she was um, attacked by him in her apartment. He raped her. He brutally beat her, literally beat her within an inch of her life. Then he doused her with gasoline and set her apartment on fire to try to kill her. She survived. And this man had already killed one other woman. In fact, it was only through the fact that they found uh, this man, Travis's DNA, underneath Lydia's fingernails that they were able to identify him and eventually get him to confess to uh, attacking Lydia and attacking this, this other, attacking and killing this other woman. But what was amazing to me is in the result of, of, of Lydia's injuries and all that happened to her, again, she, she was in a hospital for a long time. She suffered a stroke as a result of her injuries. Um, as she recovered, she had to learn how to eat again. She had to learn how to speak again. It was just horrible what this man did to her. And yet, when she was had the opportunity to stand in court and say what she needed to say to him, she forgave him. She had to get it, write it out for her father to speak because at that time she wasn't able to speak. But here's just a short excerpt of what she said. She said, Travis Forbes, you have caused me no harm. My spirit, my soul, and my mind remain untouched. May you find peace in this life. Later, when she was able to uh, be interviewed uh, by ABC, here's what she said. She said, it was my intention to find the strength in my heart to forgive Travis Forbes, and I did. I felt such extreme anger toward him, and then 
I felt sad for him. He must be in so much extreme pain to so brutally hurt another human being. When I saw this on the show and when I went back and read the interviews and the articles with her, I thought, you know what? What Lydia did was model exactly what Jesus challenges us. You know, it's sometimes, look at me, just as a society, we're taught how to overlook little things. Jesus doesn't call us to an average level of grace or even a good level of grace. Jesus calls us as his people to a level of grace that is absurd. Amen? Better believe it. The second thing I would say to you is, is remind you that grace, grace is our highest calling and it is the highest marker for our faith. Grace is our highest calling and it is our highest marker for our faith. Um, a guy that I, I love to read, James Emery White, wrote a book called Christ in, Among the Dragons. And in that book, he was talking about a conference in Britain uh, several years ago when there were a group of scholars who were doing some stuff about comparing religions and finding the differences. And he was talking about the fact that they were asking the question on one particular day about what is unique about Christianity and it happened to be the day that, a day that when C.S. Lewis came, and he came into that conference, and they posed the question. They said, uh, what do you believe to be the unique feature of Christianity? And, and C.S. Lewis, without hesitation, said, well, that one's easy. It's grace. It's grace. If you can look through all the other religions, you can find some, find some very similar things. But, but grace, it, it is a grace that is given by a God to man, and it is a grace that God calls us. In other words, out of all of the things, think about this with me, out of all of the things that God asks us to do as his people, is there anything more difficult for us than the idea of forgiveness? Is there anything more difficult than this idea of, of forgiving people these crazy things that they do? No, that's, that's the highest calling that we have. That is the most godlike thing that we can do. It's also the highest marker of our faith. In other words, that's the one thing that is probably most notable about all of that. I mean, when you re hear about somebody like Lydia in a courtroom saying what she said, you know, how many times have you seen things that have happened to families and people get up, you know, happen to someone and they get up and, you know, and I want them to get their due and I want them to get all of that, you know, I want them to be, uh, you know, and you, all of that anger and all of that, how rare is it and what a mark is it for someone to say, no, I want them to receive grace. I love uh, the example Stephen gave us Acts chapter 7, Stephen was preaching the gospel and so convicted the people he was preaching to, they picked up stones and they started stoning him to death. The passage is on your outline. It says, and as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Read it with me. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this. Don't charge them with this sin. Corey Tim Boom's book, A Hiding Place, um, she talked about a note that was found uh, on a child who was dead in Ravensbrook uh, camp. Ravensbrook was a prisoner concentration camp that, that for women that was started in 1939. 
And in this young child, this young girl, they found a note that was written by her mother and found in the, her, her child's clothes. And this just blew me away. Can you imagine writing this after someone has just taken the life of your child? Here's what she said. Oh, Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. Do not remember all of the suffering they have inflicted and have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits that we have borne because of this suffering. Our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from this trouble. When our persecutors, listen to this, when our persecutors come to be judged by you, let all of these fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. That's when you know that those are the people of God. Third thing I'd say to you is, is don't settle for any of the masks of grace. Don't settle for any of the masks of grace. Now, we could do a whole series and just talk about what forgiveness really is. Uh, because sometimes when we, we talk about forgiveness, but what we're forgiving, we're, we're not really forgiving at all. And I thought of a few different things. And you, again, you can see which one of these may be the mask that you've worn. Forgiveness is not just pretending that you're not hurt. Forgiveness is not just pretending like you're not hurt. Come on, it's just us. How many of you are as codependent as I am? And sometimes you've been hurt, but you're not about to let, it, let anybody know. Anybody been like that? Yeah. You know, it's like, are you hurt? No. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And that, look at me, gang. I love you, but that's not forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is not denial or denying that something has really happened to us. In fact, it's just the opposite. Forgiveness is actually leaning into what's happened to us and then choosing to set it aside. That's really what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, I mentioned this earlier, but forgiveness is not being nice to the one who wronged you, but then speaking ill of them to others. Forgiveness is not being nice to the one who wronged you, but then speaking ill of them to others. Um, some, some of the statistics they've shown saying that when one, when one person has been wronged by another individual, they will tell anywhere from seven to 11 other people about the wrong that's happened to them. And, and again, often we're talking about people, but we're never really talking to them. And here's another one, and I think this was probably, probably one of the more challenging ones. Forgiveness is not forgiving with your lips but then stoking the fire of resentment in your heart. Now, it hit me when I was reading this passage that the way Jesus ends that uh, story is he's saying, he's saying, and this is what your heavenly father will do to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You know, forgiveness isn't simply saying forgiveness and then holding that inside and constantly stoking that resentment up. Forgiveness really is about making the choice to begin to let it go. I, I, I love this. I thought, boy, this is, this is just so true, married couples. This is uh, from the Pickles cartoon. Wife says to the husband, remember what you're doing today at 3 o'clock? And like a good husband, he goes, huh? He says, you're taking me to my sister's house and not wandering off and forgetting all about me like last time. That again? 
you said you were going to forgive and forget. I did forgive and forget. I just want you to forget. I don't want you to forget that I forgot and forgave. Now, did she really forgive and forget? No, no, she just saved that away to later, you know. And that's sometimes, come on, that's just sometimes what we do. Sometimes we're, we're saying forgiveness up here, but are we really forgiving here? Now, again, just stay with me for a second. Forgiveness is never easy, and sometimes it is incredibly, incredibly hard. And can I just say out loud, Forgiveness is often something you can't just do in an instant. Forgiveness is a process that you have to enter into and work through that scar tissue of forgiveness. Yeah, one of the things I've discovered in particularly dealing with people who were, who've been deeply hurt or people who have been abused, people who have had uh, incredibly heinous things happen to them, you realize that forgiveness is, is not just a, a, a simple movement, but forgiveness takes time. But what, I'm, what I believe Jesus is talking about here is the choice, look at me, the choice to enter into the process of forgiveness and saying, Lord, it may take me a long time, if ever, that I can forget about this. But can you help me day by day to unpack this horrible thing that has happened? And day by day, would you help me be able to give it to you? You know, some time ago, one of the, one of the things that hit me one day reading this passage is when, Pete, when Jesus said to Peter, you need to forgive 70 times 7, one of the things that hit me is Sometimes that's not 490 different things. Sometimes it's that really deep hurt that you've committed against me that I have to choose to forgive you for. And then tomorrow when I wake up and it comes back to my mind, I have to choose to forgive you for that again. And I have to do that again the next day and the next day. Sometimes 490 means forgiving you 490 times for that same big Thing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Let me give you one, one last piece. Seek to give grace as greatly to others as you have received it from God. Seek to give grace as greatly to others as you have received it from God. You know, in the story that Jesus tells, um, the guy who, who was forgiven by the king and then he, he goes and he finds this other guy who owes him money. If, if you remember, I, I think in, in the NIV it says it's a hundred pieces of silver. Uh, a piece of silver was a day's worth of job. So it's like a hundred days of work. Uh, the New Living Translation says it's a few thousand dollars. And, and, and again, that's no small matter. Jesus wasn't minimizing how much the guy was being asked to forgive his friend. He wasn't minimizing that. What Jesus was doing was saying, but look at what you have been forgiven. You haven't been forgiven just a few thousand dollars. You have been forgiven millions and millions. And if you have been forgiven millions and millions, can't you let go of a few thousand? 
Now, how many of us would be honest enough to admit that we have been forgiven more by God than we would ever be able to pay back? Jesus said to his disciples, freely you have received. Freely give. Ephesians 4. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted. Read it with me, church. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. 2015, there was a, a, a Facebook post that went, went viral. And uh, there was a guy um, whose name was Louie. And Louie uh, was talking with his 10, 10-year-old daughter one day about bullying. And his 10-year-old daughter asked her dad the $60 million question. She said, Dad, did you ever bully anyone? And Louie got really... Uh, reflective and repentant and said, yeah. And it led him to thinking about different people that he bullied when he was in junior high and high school, which had been 20 years ago. And it led him particularly to think about a young man that a whole gang of them used to pick on. And uh, they used to be very harsh with him. And Louis decided to do something I, I thought was really huge. He decided to send this guy whose name was Chad, sent him a message on Facebook. He lived out of state somewhere, but he sent him a message on Facebook to take ownership for that. Let me, let me just read you what, what Louie wrote. He says, hey, Chad, I was talking with my 10-year-old daughter about bullies, and she asked me if I ever bullied anyone, and sadly, I had to say yes. And what came to mind was just how uh, awful and mean I was to you when we were in junior high and and I want to apologize. If we lived in the same state, I would apologize to your face. I don't even know if you remember, but I do. And I'm sorry. Chad um, was blown away by it. And he admitted even in, it, in an interview that he, uh, he cried when he read it. And here's how he replied to Louis. He said, Louis, I am quite moved by this. He said, thank you. And I accept your apology. In 20 years, you are the only person to apologize for being a bully to me when we were younger. I hope you can proudly tell your daughter that you have also apologized for it and that we are good. It's amazing what 20 years and children can do to us, huh? He says, thank you again, and I hope that you are able, I hope that you stand up to bullying anytime you see it. Have a great day. And Chad, um, end up sharing all of that on his Facebook page, shared that whole discussion. It went viral, and um, a parenting blog decided to interview both of these guys. And what I thought was really particularly interesting is when they interviewed Louie, who was the guy who, who bullied Chad when he was younger, and they asked him you know, how it felt to him about uh, you know, reaching out to Chad and how Chad responded, here's what, here's what Louie said. He said, I felt humbled and ashamed and relieved all at once. I felt humbled and ashamed and relieved all at once. And then here's what he said. He said, I owed him that apology, but he did not owe me his forgiveness. 
I owed him that apology. But he did not owe me his forgiveness. And, you know, and when I read that, what flooded me was the realization, God, I did not deserve the forgiveness you gave me. I did not deserve you to wipe away all of my sin, wipe away all of my past. I did not deserve this incredible grace that you have given me. I didn't deserve any of that. And if I didn't deserve the forgiveness that I have received, how in the world can I withhold forgiveness from someone who needs it from me? Amen. Let's say our little quote that we said at the beginning again. Would you repeat out loud after me? Lord, help me forgive. Would you bow your heads for me this morning? And I'm going to ask our online audience who are watching if you would do the same. And I, mean, I just want to give you just a moment, just in reflection and in your own heart. Maybe a chance for God to to bring to your mind someone that you need to forgive. I'm not going to tell you today that they deserve your forgiveness. I'm not going to tell you today or make a case for them and all of that. But what I am going to say is if you are one who has received the great grace of God in your life, then God has forgiven you of a debt you could never pay. Would you this morning make a commitment to, if nothing else, to say that you are willing to take a step of forgiveness in that direction? That you're willing to open your heart and at least let the Lord begin to do a healing work of forgiveness within you, if not through you? With everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed for just one second. If this morning, if, if God is bringing someone to your heart, if there's somebody you know you need to forgive, and as I pray, you want me to pray specifically for you, wherever you are, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Steve, I've, I've got someone. I've got someone. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I've got someone. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, um, as we come to you, we come with humble hearts. We come knowing that you paid a debt that you didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. We have been recipients of an absurd grace. And Father, you have challenged us in your word today that we not keep that gift to ourselves. You never designed for us to be reservoirs of grace that would simply bask in that forgiveness and keep it all to ourselves. You designed, Lord, that we would be conduits of your forgiveness, that your grace would flow to us and then through us. Lord, you saw every hand. You know every heart. 
you know where we are giving grace and where we are withholding it. And Father, today, I just pray, we know that this thing called forgiveness is the highest calling that you've given to us. It is the hardest and most challenging act you have asked us to perform. We also know that it is the most freeing. Because when we forgive, we break chains that are upon us. We break chains that are upon our heart. We set our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls free. Mayo Clinic was right. If we could simply choose to forgive, for many of us, it would make us a whole lot healthier than we are. Lord, you chose to come and you chose to forgive us. Help us each and every day of our lives to not just be average at grace or even good at grace. Help us to be like you, to be great at grace. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.